my energy is big and my energy gets felt more now than it, it did back then. But if I'm pissed or if I'm frustrated or if I feel like I'm not appreciated, it was pretty hard to keep that a secret. Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. For today's episode, I want to tell you my full story. That's right. Starting way back at the very beginning. And my intention for this is to share more of who I am and the experiences that have shaped me into the human that I am today, to share that with you so that you have a more comprehensive understanding of who I am and and why I work the way I work, why I love the things that I love and I'm passionate about the things I'm passionate about, all of that. And also because I truly believe that we are more similar than we are different. And so in sharing as much as I'm about to share with you, it's my hope that you are able to find some of your own experiences in, in mine and able to resonate with what I'm about to share with you on, on some level, if not, you know, tons of things, at least like one piece of that. So my goal in sharing all of this is not just to talk like all about me and everything like the, you know, the Lauren show and stuff like that, but to yes, give you more of an inside look at who I am and and what has shaped me into the woman that I am today. And also so that you can maybe see some of yourself in, in my story, because my intention with this, this podcast is to create a connected, like intimate, raw, real, authentic community. And so, yeah, so that's, that's my goal and let's get on into it. So I grew up in Northern California in a small town called Petaluma, which is in Sonoma County, lots of land and space and agriculture and stuff like that. Really quaint, cute area, about 45 minutes to an hour north of San Francisco, right off of the Bodega Bay. So right off the Northern California coast up there, Um, grew up with my older sister, older brother, and my younger brother. And my older siblings are half siblings. So my dad was married before my mom and my older sister is 14 years older than me. And my older brother is 10 years older than me. And then my younger brother, we, we share the same parents. He is two and a half years younger. So for most of my life, I mean, 
honestly, like I was so young when my older siblings were in the house that I don't even remember them going back and forth to their mom's house and then to, to our house with, you know, our dad and my mom. I don't, I don't remember that at all. And so it feels no different to me than if they were, you know, my whole siblings. So very grateful to grow up with a big family and, you know, multiple siblings. I, I love that. I love having a big family. And so it was this interesting experience of growing up kind of as the middle child, if you will. But then for most of my life, once my older siblings moved out and went on to college and all that kind of stuff, I was kind of the oldest too. And growing up, I played tons of sports, did a lot of music and really my childhood, you know, we, we had everything that, that we needed as far as like education experiences, playing sports, all that kind of stuff. And speaking of sports, I started playing soccer at the age of five and then started playing with a traveling team at age 11 and was always quite good at soccer. And it became my main sport though, growing up and throughout my life, I played basketball, softball, volleyball, like even did track at one point. So definitely very athletic, but soccer was always my number one and always the sport that I was, was best at and, and enjoyed the most. In elementary school, we moved to the country. I think it was like fourth grade for me or something. And I remember visiting my aunt and uncle at the time they lived in Southern California, but they had horses and I always, oh my gosh, yes, I was such a horse girl, had all the like, you know, my little ponies and like the, what would they like acrylic horses, I guess, like horse figurines and stuff all over my bedroom would play horse, like where you're acting like you're a horse and stuff with my cousins and shit like that. So always loved horses and animals. And I remember after this trip with my aunt and uncle um, down in Southern California, and I got to be with their horses and like, oh my gosh, I freaking loved it. I remember coming back and saying, you know, begging my parents to get a horse or to move to the country or take horseback riding lessons, all this kind of stuff. And I honestly don't know if that really influenced my family, my parents' decision, but in like fourth or fifth grade, we, when I was in fourth or fifth grade, we moved to the country and ended up having animals. So we had chickens. We had a horse too. My older sister had a horse. And so her horse moved into our house there. So he was, you know, we were closer to town and stuff like that. So I got to learn how to ride on, on him, which was such a cool experience. And yeah, we, we did 4-H, my brother and I growing up, my older siblings did as well, but of course they were quite a bit older than me. So growing up, I didn't get to do 4-H with them. And for those who don't know what 4-H is, this kind of shows some of my, you know, California country roots, if you will. 4-H is basically where you, there, there are several components. So there's like an arts and crafts and kind of like home ec type of component. So you could do paintings and art projects and even like engineering projects and things like that. So very, um, I guess, trade oriented, if you will, but then also there's a big agriculture component. And so we raised farm animals and then you would show them at the fair and sell them at auction at the fair. And it was such a cool experience to be able to, um, to just have such hands-on experience caring for animals in that way and, and, and doing that. So it was such a cool thing to do. And so I raised one lamb my first year, and then we, my brother and I raised pigs and showed and sold them at, at the fairs. And so I loved growing up with 
land and space and being around animals and all that kind of stuff. Like I said, Petaluma was a really, or was and is a small town, a good amount of agriculture. You, you know, run into people, you know, all the time. And so I had a very beautiful childhood in many, many ways. Um, I'm also, my mom is Italian. My mom's side of the family is Italian and she's the oldest of nine. So on that side of the family alone, I have more than 20 first cousins. So growing up as well, what so much freaking family, which I love. Oh my gosh. I love that. So growing up, got to have so many, you know, like family reunions and holidays and stuff with just like chaos and like madness of all, all these cousins. And so many of us are in the same kind of age range. So that was something that I, I really cherish growing up in that environment of having just so much family, um, around and being able to experience animals and all that kind of stuff. And at the same time, I also grew up in a home with a lot of chaos. So my parents, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to give us a little disclaimer in anything I'm about to say, like, I don't want it to in any way sound critical of my parents. I think our parents, no matter how good or bad we think they are, they're always doing the best that they can with the tools that they have, just like you and I, right? And so I think my parents are fucking incredible, amazing humans. And again, we did not lack for anything, right? We did not want for anything. We're so well taken care of and so loved. And my parents argued and fought a lot and nothing, nothing ever physical or anything like that, but so much arguing and that kind of chaos from a very young age and, and that kind of consistent chaos and stress, like that creates a lot of trauma as a child. And, and so, so yeah, so grew up, yes, with, with everything I could possibly need and also grew up in a home with a lot of stress right? And so that growing up in that kind of environment, um, it's interesting because as I grew up and experienced that, like I became quite a little arguer myself. And I think from age like shit, 12 to 17 was quite a bitch. I would say I had so much attitude, so much attitude. I was combative. I loved to argue and I could be just nasty. And I love to argue in the way, like, I would never let it go either. I'd be like, oh, you want to go another round? Like mom, dad, are you like whatever sort of thing or brother? Like I was very, um, just had a ton of attitude for most of my adolescence. And, you know, of course, I think a lot of that comes from watching that kind of, of behavior. Right. So anyhow, growing up in that kind of situation, it, it was interesting because as I reflect on it, you know, I, in the moment experiencing my parents fighting so much. I, I remember even when I was young, you know, feeling like divorce was the worst outcome possible. And I know, you know, there were so many times when my younger brother and I would be like, well, why don't you guys just get a divorce or something like that? And my brother, my younger brother always seemed more okay with it. If, the, if that would be the option, right? Whereas I saw it as such a, and they, they didn't get divorced, but I saw it as such a point of shame, right? Like for some reason, having parents who were divorced to me back then seemed like such a shameful thing, even though 
the friends I knew whose parents were divorced, it's not like they were bad people. Like I had plenty of close, close friends whose parents were divorced and weren't together. And for some reason for me growing up in elementary school, junior high, high school, all that kind of stuff, I had this mindset of, I would rather my parents be together and miserable because then I wouldn't have to say they're divorced than them just splitting up and being happier apart. Right. So that was, it was really interesting to kind of see that and look back on that. Cause that's how I felt like, you know what, as long as I don't have to say my parents are divorced, it's fine. I can act as if everything is perfect and everything's fine. My parents live together. We all still, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's an interesting observation as growing up in that kind of, of setting, which, which we'll come back, we'll come back to at some point later in life, but just adding that, but growing up in that kind of environment with a lot of arguing and stress and chaos in that way. And, and really also emotional volatility, right? So when you're a child growing up in that kind of situation, you often don't feel like your emotional needs are able to be met, right? Because your parents are so wrapped up in their own stuff that they don't have, you know, you, you think that, or you assume that they don't have room for me or my, my emotional needs are not going to be met. So that type of environment shaped me into quite a little overachiever, people pleaser, perfectionist because, and, and I only really realized this later in life, but looking back on that, when you're growing up in that kind of chaotic environment where there's a lot of fighting, there's a lot of arguing, there's a lot of intensity I didn't want to add anything into the mix that would create more intensity or more chaos or more uh, anger in the home. And so my solution for that was, okay, well, let's do all the things. Let's do them all really, really well. And let's be a little overachiever perfectionist. Right. And, and so that started quite a, yeah, a, a lifelong cycle really of, of operating in that way as an overachiever, as a perfectionist, as a people pleaser. And then moving into junior high school, I continued to play sports, do a lot of music and have a very full schedule and full life in junior high. I also dealt with a little bit of bullying, but nothing terrible. And also like always felt like I was able to confide in my mom and get guidance when I was struggling with things. And like I said, like, regardless of how much my parents clashed, if you will, I always felt so loved by them, so loved and, and by them and, and knew that they were providing us with like just inc- great opportunities and, and really a great life. And then in high school, kind of the best way that I can sum up how I was in high school is I was in all the honors and AP classes. I was part of the popular cool crowd as like cheesy as it is to say that. Um, I was captain of the soccer team, homecoming queen. So that kind of like paints a a picture, I guess, for you. So I was a part of a lot of different groups, the cool kids, the jocks, the smart kids. And I've always been somebody who can vibe with all kinds of different people, which I freaking love. I started playing varsity soccer my freshman year. And as I mentioned before, soccer was my main sport. And my first game freshman year of high school on the varsity team, which happened to be on my birthday, I tore my ACL. And 
a few years later, I had a back injury while playing soccer. So I've had several, several sports injuries, which I know I talk about a lot on social media and stuff like that, but, but yeah, started with freshman year of high school and in school, I was really focused and got really great grades, but I also partied quite a bit as well. So real talk and, and, oh my gosh, if my parents are listening to this one, I doubt they're going to be super surprised, but if they are, I'm so sorry, but, um, real talk our first party. And when I say our, like me and my friends pretty much was first party with alcohol was at my house at our eighth grade graduation party. And remember I said, we kind of moved to the country. So no joke. We were freaking drinking probably just shitty liquor or something in one of our barns. So once again, sorry, mom and dad. And like, yeah. And so started drinking in like eighth grade and I would say continuing through high school and college even, um, would drink not all the time, but, um, pretty regularly and quite a lot as well. And then also in, in high school, like I said, I was doing music. I played piano growing up and started getting into more into music in high school and started doing singing as well. Growing up, I, I wanted to be an actress or a pop star, something famous and something involving performing, which I, I feel like I get to do in some way now, even just through this podcast. So how I get to be creative and show up on social media or, or here on this show lets me live out that performing bug or that creative bug in some way. And so, so it's, it's fun to see how these things come full circle, right? Started doing music a lot in high school, singing, doing musicals, taking private singing lessons and all kinds of stuff like that. I didn't date much in, in high school. Like I didn't have a high school sweetheart or anything like that. I, yeah, of course had crushes and you're like, Oh, we're going out now for this week or this month or whatever, like stuff like that. Or, or even in high school, like wearing some guys football Jersey on like game days and things like that. But I never really was much of a relationship person in my youth, if you will. Oh my gosh, that makes me sound like I'm a hundred years old saying phrases like in my youth, goodness gracious. That also makes me feel a hundred years old either saying goodness gracious. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, wasn't much of a relationship person growing up. Um, I think I was probably a little scared of commitment or, you know, with, with how my family life was just wasn't wanting to be in a relationship. I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't really know. I was also really particular with, with who I liked. And I wouldn't necessarily like catch strong feelings that I wanted to pursue or put into a relationship or anything like that. And when I was 16 years old, I was sexually assaulted, which I will speak about more in its own episode. But I think any pickiness or selectiveness that I had had before that, that incident honestly just made me even more intentional and more picky. Um, It also, which again, I'll talk about this more. It also brought with it a lot of other stuff to deal with, right? And to unpack and to work through and to heal from. But that's for a whole nother conversation. I graduated high school in 2004, which now you can calculate my age if you want. I'm 34 years old as I'm recording this. And I had the ability upon graduation to pretty much go to any college that I had applied to. And I decided to go to Westmont College, which is a small 
private Christian college in Montecito, California, which is basically Santa Barbara, California. And it was an interesting choice, actually, because while I was raised loosely Christian and believing in God, we didn't go to church a ton and we weren't super religious or anything like that. But I really loved that school. I mean, again, it's literally in Montecito, Santa Barbara, like one of the most beautiful places in the world. We have the beach, the mountains, like it's a small town. So you had that like small town vibe, but there was also so much life and activity and culture and just, yeah. So I absolutely loved it. And I had an academic scholarship there as well as a singing scholarship. I was also recruited to play soccer there, but ultimately decided not to. I, when I, I remember when I tried out, actually, I was offered a red shirting position, which is basically means like, well, I was told actually, you know what, the team is pretty much decided already. So we can offer you a red shirt position, which means, you know, you don't play that year, but you're able to be part of the team and train and everything like that. And hopefully earn a spot the next year. But at that time, like my ego was way too involved. And I was like, like had the mentality of like, well, if I'm not getting a spot, then I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be a part of this at all. So I decided not to take the red shirting position, but I still loved this school so much. And I had the academic scholarship, the music scholarship. So instead of soccer, I decided to shift my focus into music and ended up singing in just about every single choir and music group that you could do in college. So the big choir, the chamber choir of like eight people, um, the like women's choir at some point, I sang in a jazz group. I sang in the chapel band. Cause again, I went to a Christian college. So I sang in the chapel, like the worship band that sang in front of the entire school three times a week. I ended up at some point shortly after college singing in a country band with some of my friends. So loved, loved, loved doing music. And that really replaced my athletic career, if you will. And because of all my AP and honors classes that I did in high school, I came into college with credits already. So I could have graduated early or I could have, and if we're remembering little old overachiever me here, I instead decided to double major and I majored in communications and graphic design. And the way that I decided how I wanted, what I wanted to major in was like, I didn't have a dream job, right? I didn't have, you know, I was 17 years old at the time, didn't have that dream career per se. I knew the kinds of things that I enjoyed doing and I knew that I wanted to make good money and, and all that kind of stuff. But didn't necessarily have that dream job. And so I knew what school that I wanted to go to. And so when I was accepted and everything like that, and you're going to pick out your, your schedule and everything, I looked through the course book and just circled all the classes that sounded the most interesting to me. And then I looked at, okay, are, is, are there any themes? And most of them fell into communications. And because I had the room in my schedule to either graduate early or like, do more obviously you know me back then what i decided to do i decided to just cram another major there stay four years and do another major so um i'd always loved art and decided to pursue graphic design and and that was much more of like the passion major if you will i'm like okay you know what i'm gonna do 
the communications kind of as the strategic major, probably that's the direction I'm going to go in for a career and job and everything like that. But let's do art because how freaking fun is that going to be? In college, I also started to have my first experiences with anxiety, which really started sophomore year. And sophomore year, like for shoot, all of my friends was intense. It was hard academically, heavy course load. And of course you're coming off of having like such a fun freshman year. And so, so yeah, so sophomore year was intense and started really experiencing my first times with anxiety and panic attacks and, and everything. And they weren't, it wasn't super consistent, but there was probably a decent, like half of the year, a decent semester where I was having pretty regular anxiety attacks and didn't really know why. I just knew that I felt like I was stuck. I wasn't super happy being at that school, even though I I did love it and I ended up staying and I'm so grateful for my entire experience there, but I was, I was frustrated. I was considering switching schools, all this kind of stuff. So first real experience with kind of mental health stuff. Junior year, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy, which, oh my gosh, one of my favorite places in the entire freaking world. And then like with high school, I had continued to drink quite a bit. And because this was a a Christian college, we had pretty strict rules around uh, several things, but there was no on-campus drinking. And so, you know, we'd go off campus to parties and stuff like that. So I didn't drink and party that frequently. However, when I did, I often drank to the point of not remembering things or passing out and didn't really see that as a problem. Ultimately, like I graduated with honors and went right into working at a ad agency in town. And so part of the thing when I bring up the the drinking stuff is a lot of this reckless behavior, what I, I am viewing as reckless behavior growing up and when I'm younger, it was kind of justified or I allowed myself to do it because I was still crushing it in so many other things. Like I was still excelling in school. I was still excelling in sports, all of this. I had a good social life and friends and all this kind of stuff. So the drinking, right? That wasn't really getting in the way of much. So anyhow, back to graduation, graduated with honors, went right into working at an ad agency. And I was there for about a year, a little over a year. And I graduated from college in 2008 which is when the, you know, the stock market crashed, like all kinds of shit happened. And as one of the newest hires, you know, often you're the first to go when the the last one in often the first one to go. And so this was a really boutique ad agency as well. So it wasn't a big, big team. I was laid off in 2008 when everything crashed. And around that time or prior to leaving, I had been wanting to explore some more of the creative side of things. So remember, I studied communications and graphic design and then went into advertising, which is much more of the of the communication side of things. But as I was there, I was really curious about what the like creative director was doing. Like, what would it be like to be on the art direction side of things? So after being laid off, I got a part-time job at a new media agency that also did web development. And I, it was such a cool experience. It was my first like real startup experience, even though the ad agency prior, it was um, a pretty boutique agency. So it had a very like, you know, familial vibe, not a ton of people in the office. Um, but this new media company that I, I went to after the ad agency, it was such a startup. It was, I, and I just freaking loved that experience. I 
love startups. And so had a really great experience there. I was doing a lot of graphic design with them. So got to help build out websites and build out websites for like major musicians and stuff. So it was a really cool experience and I got to learn so much. And while I was there as well, because that was just a part-time job, um, I also got a job as a cocktail waitress and a club promoter. So continued with that party lifestyle and a lot of drinking. Around this time as well, I continued to play soccer. I was doing like community rec league with friends. And I also, after you know college, after my high school career, all that, I tore two more ACLs. So I tore that first one, my first game of varsity soccer back in high school, um, but then tore one in 2008 and then another in 2009. So within, I think, honestly, I tore the, the third one like a month after I got the knee brace off of the last one. So I'd been fully cleared to play like a month before and then tore the next one. And oh gosh. And so after that, I retired, quote unquote, retired from playing soccer, even rec league, like only willing to play with friends who knew me, not really play with strangers because I didn't want to risk tearing again. Um, because yes, like, you know, as an athlete and somebody who's always been very physical and athletic and, and connected with my body in that way, it is tough on your mental health to not be able to use your body hundred percent for, I mean, ACL you're in a straight leg brace for two weeks, or at least back when I did mine straight leg brace and crutches for two weeks, you can't run for three or four months and you aren't hundred percent until at a minimum six months, but really it's more like nine months. So decided to retire and not really do any more like contact soccer after my third ACL, just cause I didn't want to go through that again, more less for the physical side of things and more for the mental health side of things. Cause it was just so tough to not be able to move my body and, and like break a sweat because exercise for me and sports, that's such an important grounding tool for me. And a thing that helps me feel just so good and alleviate stress, like all the things. So while I was at that new company, so at that new media agency, where I was doing a lot of the graphic design and stuff, I decided that I wanted to expand more of my art experience and go deeper in that direction. And so I went to New York city for an internship and Shortly before leaving for that internship program, I was planning to go do some art internships out there. I also had my first real heartbreak. So first time getting dumped and having my heart broken. And so I, when I left for New York and at this time, like I had, I had been pretty well-traveled, like had gone to Mexico, um, with, for family vacations had gone to Mexico for like missions trips with my church to like help build houses and stuff like that. After graduating from high school or actually before graduating from high school, did a little, you know, a summer in France to learn how to speak French, graduated and went on a, like a trip with my best friends through Europe after graduating high school. So I traveled a lot and I loved to travel, but getting dumped and having your heart broken and going through a heartbreak and then moving to a big city where people aren't quite as friendly was a whole new experience for me. And, and so I, I got to New York in the end of January, 2010. So again, me coming from California. So from Northern California, 
to Santa Barbara to New York City in the winter. I had never really experienced that level of cold and like living in the snow, right? So growing up in California, I would go to the snow to like go snowboarding and stuff like that. So New York, um, my first like month and a half there, I didn't love it to be perfectly honest, which I was frustrated by. And because I was doing an internship program out there, there were other people in the program too. So I'm so thankful because I was able to build a lot of relationships and build friendships, many of which I still have. But initially it was, it was a rough experience. My parents were kind of going through some stuff and like uh, separating ish or something. Um, so that was stressing me out. I was dealing with my own heartbreak. I was wanting things to feel familiar, right? To feel like home and feel comforting. And here I am living in this like student housing um, type of apartment situation in Brooklyn Heights, like, you know, like trying smiling at strangers on as you're walking like out in the city and nobody smiles back and like all this kind of stuff. So just feeling like feeling just alone and sad and heartbroken and it's winter and it was freezing and all that kind of stuff. And I will say that around, there was actually a really pivotal moment when so the internships that I had, I would have one Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I'd have another like Tuesday, Thursday. So each morning, like on my way to these internships, I'd stop at on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'd go to the same cafe, the Tuesday, Thursday one, I'd go to the same cafe on those days. And I remember going into a, one of the spots that I would go to a couple times a week. And I was about to order what I, what I usually got. And the guy goes, Oh, the regular. And I was like, or the, the usual. Right. And I'm like, oh, what the usual? He's like, yeah, what you get every day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I am known, you know, me, you remember me, I am here. Right. And so I felt like, oh my gosh, this is my home right now. Right. And that made me feel that small gesture from this like random guy that works at this like little, like New York city deli in like Chelsea or something is like made my day and not just made my day, but helped really helped me turn the corner in my New York experience and helped me to really start loving that experience. And so I like, ultimately, I just, I loved it. I love New York city. And I met some of my, like some very close friends there had amazing experiences, got to see so much. And because it was an art internship, I got to do so much art. My internships that I, I was at, I absolutely loved. I was working with a very um, well-known wedding photographer out there working with his publicist and helping him edit photos and, and stuff like that. And then I was also work doing some graphic design work with another company. And as part of this program, we all got to have our own studio space and create our own art. So I got to just be so creative. And while I was there, I also decided that I didn't want to be on the art side of things. I didn't really want to be an artist professionally or the creative professionally, which was, you know, on the one hand, you can be like, oh, well, that was a waste, but no, it actually, like, I'm so grateful for that experience. And it gave me clarity. You know, it, it showed me, oh, you know what, this is beautiful. And I love that I have all these skills and I know how to do this. And I've had this experience and I actually don't want to be on the art side of things professionally. I think I do prefer the more communication side of things. Are you a growing entrepreneur looking for more visibility? Do you want to stand out as the authority and expert that you are? Do you want more leads, more dream clients coming to you asking about how they can work with you? Do you want to sell out your programs and have a stacked wait list? 
Are you finally ready to scale your business and create more results with less effort? Then you need the PR Accelerator, a hybrid program where we will teach you or somebody on your team how to do your own public relations, how to secure more podcast interviews, more media features, more speaking gigs, more collaborations, and ultimately more authoritative visibility so that you can scale your influence, your impact, and your income with ease. To learn more, visit laurensalon.com slash PR dash accelerator. That's laurensalon.com slash PR dash accelerator. So as I was leaving and like, you know, I got to experience some of spring while I was there. I, I had the opportunity to stay um, with one of my internships, but I ultimately decided not to because that ended up being such a growing chapter in my life, such a beautiful chapter for me. And I learned so much and I feel like I transformed so much and it felt like the right time to conclude as well. And so while I was still in New York at the end of this, this program, I had started to started the interview process and job application process for jobs back in Santa Barbara. And I chose to go back to Santa Barbara because that's where all my friends were and everything. And I, even though I'd be, been gone for four months, like that's what I knew. I went to college there. I lived there for a handful of years after college. So I decided to go back. And right when I got back, I literally landed a job at a PR agency and like started working there, like probably within a week after getting back from New York and this PR agency, which if you've heard me tell my story, You've, you've heard a bit of this before. I'm going to go into a bit more detail now, but um, I started working at a PR agency that specialized in crisis communications for the healthcare industry. And I believe that it was very important work that we were doing. I learned a lot. I think we were working on, with the good guys, right, on the side of the hospitals and healthcare providers but it wasn't necessarily my passion or something that I was super interested in or necessarily thought that I would do forever. I was like, you know what? This is a great company. I love the culture. I love the people. I know I'm going to learn so much and this is challenging and interesting, but at the end of the day, like I probably won't be here super long-term or this isn't my forever place because like let's like real talk like and it wasn't like that stoked to come home and learn about like insurance policy and stuff like that so i was at this agency for four years i was the seventh employee hired and while i was there we grew to about 30 employees with two offices i was actually asked to help start the nashville office so i took many trips out to nashville to kind of scope it out and stuff like that but the week that I had decided that I was going to move. So I'd made the decision, you know what, I'm going to move to Nashville. I ended up meeting the man that same week. I decided I'm moving to Nashville. And that week I met the man who would later become my husband. And so I ultimately decided not to move, but Nashville has always had such a special place in my heart and still does. I freaking love that city. So the agency grew really fast and we were very, very good at what we did. So we had a ton of work and because we were a crisis team, as the name implies, like our work was very intense and very high stress. And because we were growing and because we were doing so well, we had a lot of work. So not only was the volume of work that we had, so the amount of work we had a ton, but 
the content of that work or so what that work was was super intense as well so i was working like 60 to 80 hours a week and at the time i was still such an overachiever such a people pleaser and such a perfectionist so that combination of having almost like never ending work and also feeling like the work was literally like an emergency because literally for our clients that's how they felt because often they were would hire us six months later than they should have so we're coming in to really like fix shit for them and like put out fires in a big big way and in a lot of ways like massively save their hospital right and so that combination growing company recognition like opportunity for for being promoted um helping to build the company and like ex helping it to expand and then having so much work and work that felt like so urgent and everything like that for the you know former overachiever people pleaser perfectionist in me that combination led me to being quite a workaholic which led to massive massive burnout after my first two years there i was pretty miserable. So my third and fourth year, I were rough. I probably stayed a year longer than I should have. Um, and in my last couple of years there, I was dealing with some really shitty office dynamics. Um, I had a couple crappy bosses um, who came and went one, I thought, shit, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, a couple of bad bosses who came and went and then experienced some really shady and toxic office culture. And I was also at the time dealing with like struggling with work-life balance. And by that, I meant, I mean, feeling like I literally had no time for myself. I literally had no control over my own schedule and time and everything like that. It was just like, wake up work, like working, you know, in the office 10 to 12 hours a day, didn't feel like I could, you know, cook my own food. I was like, never like grocery shopping. I, I didn't feel like I had enough time to do my own laundry. I was skipping workouts and like sometimes going two weeks without breaking a sweat, which for me as a lifelong athlete, that's a big deal. And I need that for my mental health, not just my physical health. And so I was already dealing with just feeling super burnt out and unfulfilled and feeling like I was sacrificing so much and losing myself in the process. And one day I used a computer that we had a lot of computers for like interns and um, temps and stuff like that. So I went and used one of our spare computers because I was, I was, I think I was checking something that a temp had done or I don't know. And it was logged into Skype, which is what we used within the office to communicate internally. And because we had that second office as well, we used that to communicate with people in the other office. It was logged into Skype in someone else's account. And I went to pull it up to, to log in. However, I saw my name being mentioned. And so naturally I started reading. And long story short, I basically discovered that the two people I was closest to in the office had been pretty much talking shit about me for almost daily for about six months after I had been promoted ahead of one of them. And so, when you spend that much time working and that so much of your life revolves around work and so much of, for me, so much of my worth revolved around my job and my work. And I felt like I was sacrificing so much. You have to enjoy either what you're doing or the people that you're doing it with. And so that for me was one of the last 
straws, one of the last straws. So I had like, I had one pretty awful boss and then had an, another pretty bad boss. Um, but then the, this inner office dynamics, one of the executives there was a little uh, too touchy feely with all the women in the office as well. And so that was kind of, for me, like stumbling upon that Skype conversation that was very focused on me was kind of the last straw. And my last year there, I had anxiety attacks in the bathroom almost once a week. I would need to take a break from the workday and go into the office bathroom and just have a fucking meltdown and then return to work. And it's interesting because back then, like I felt so stuck. Like, I mean, at this time I was like, what, 26, 27 or something. And I felt like I couldn't change careers. Right. I felt like I had no other options. And also I'm somebody who has a pretty bad poker face, right? Like I wear what I am thinking and feeling on my sleeve and I am pretty off like transparent about things. And and so much now, but even back then, I never really had a great poker face, even if I wasn't, you know, sharing as uh, transparently. So I was miserable and my energy is big and my energy gets felt more now than it, it did back then. But if I'm pissed or if I'm frustrated or if I feel like I'm not appreciated, it was pretty hard to keep that a secret. So I started like, you know, working from home a bit, like just trying to make it work. I was trying to I felt like quitting or leaving would be some massive failure because on paper, right? So this kind of goes back to the whole thing of like, oh, well, my parents aren't technically divorced, so I can act as if everything's great, right? On paper, I'm making great money. I have a really important job. I, our, our agency's winning all these awards, all this kind of stuff. So just force it, like make it work, Lauren. Like, come on, like, what are you doing? And so I... So yeah, so I, I was pretty miserable my last year there. And I was also part of a team within the company that was responsible for helping to like improve company culture or connect with company culture and like, and, and help to like uh, lead morale and stuff like that. And lots of people were seriously frustrated with work-life balance, just, just like I was because real talk, it was non-existent. And even to this day, like now you guys, like, I don't think work-life balance really is a thing. I think it's a rhythm and rhythm has phases and cycles and stuff like that. And at this last agency, to be perfectly honest, when we had a 40 hour work week, it felt like people were going to get fired because it felt like we didn't have enough work, which 40 hour work week is kind of the norm and um, real talk. You guys, you do not need 40 hours in the week to get all the things done. <laughs> like there is so much time wasted at freaking companies and going into an office. Um, so anyway, all that to say, I was having conversations with people about their frustrations. And this was something that I was appointed by like the executive team to help facilitate. So having conversations with people about like, oh, like, you know, creating like fun activities to connect us more, but also if there were concerns or if people didn't feel safe talking to their boss or, um, you know, the executive team, you had somebody that you could talk to or a few people that you could talk to in a safe space like that. And so, like I said, like, you know, talking to people about what they were going through and what could, could make their experience in the company better in an attempt 
to improve the situation. And long story short, I ultimately got accused of shit, basically trying to like incite a mutiny or some bullshit like that. And I was let go. And I was very much scapegoated um, by this company. And yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it was such a beautiful experience because I don't know that I would have left at that time. I probably would have needed like dragged it on more, but also thankfully, because I'd been so miserable for over a year, I'd already been planning on leaving. I had people asking me for help with marketing projects and social media strategy and, and PR and stuff like that. And I was offering to help in my spare time which was not a thing. So, and again, like I already mentioned this, but back then I thought that I was too old to switch careers. I was like 27, 28, maybe. I thought that I was like, oh my gosh, well, I've been at this agency for four years. Like, um, like I'm, I would be a VP in a year or two. Like I can't switch my careers now. Just going to have to force it. You know, you're just gonna have to love it or, or, or not. You're just going to have to make it work. Right. But I knew that something had to change. And back then I didn't trust my gut now, like my gut and my intuition, that is one of my superpowers. And I hear my gut, I trust it. And I listen to it back then. And honestly, like it, it took several years. I really did not get so in tune with myself until just like a year or two ago, but it used to take me fully hitting a wall in order to acknowledge and even hear those nudges and whispers that had been going on for a while. Now I hear those whispers, I take action and I trust myself. Back then it took a lot of time to hear those, those whispers, hear those nudges. But I, I remember a moment, actually, we did this activity, one of these culture activities, like I mentioned that I was, I was part of a, a team to do. And we did this culture activity where it was like fun Q and a type stuff. So like silly questions, get to know you questions, that sort of thing that we would kind of like do during a lunch break or whatever. And one of the questions was if you weren't working here, what sort of like other career or job would sound super interesting to you? Not as like a, if you weren't here, like what's your backup plan sort of thing. But it's like, you know, if you weren't doing what you were doing, what would you do? And like, I'd be a dolphin trainer, like just, you know, have fun and use your imagination and stuff like that. And my answer was that I would be a TV host like Maria Menunos, And remember that back then, like once I had decided again, I had, I had been miserable for a year and was planning to leave already was kind of starting some like side projects here and there. And then, so once I had decided that it was time to go, you know, I, I started making those moves. I had started saving up all that kind of stuff. So when I was let go, I'd already had consulting clients under my belt, re like ready to work with me. And I had been saving money as well. And for me, like my desire to leave and why I needed to leave really came down to two big reasons. I, one, wanted to do work that was more in line with my interests, work that really lit me up and work that I was so much more excited about and more passionate about. Because let's like real talk at the end of the day, learning more about hospital insurance policy and like that kind of stuff, not fucking interesting to me at all. Again, it was important work. It was challenging. I learned so much and especially learned so much when it comes to building my own PR agency. So I'm very grateful for that experience because of that. But at the end of the day, like 
the work that I do, it's gotta be stuff that I'm into. And then the second reason was I really needed to have more control over my life. I needed to be able to put myself first, to prioritize my health, to have more flexibility and freedom in my life. So when I left, I, like I said, you know, I had just been fired and did not, I truly wish that I had left on better terms because I left very angry about the situation and feeling like I had been completely thrown under the bus and scapegoated, which was kind of the situation in a lot of ways. And I had also been operating under burnout for over a year. So when I left, I needed to decompress. I needed to get back to me. I needed to prioritize my mental health, my physical health. I needed to like, when I left, I didn't know exactly what the next thing would be. I didn't know that I was going to start my own business necessarily. I didn't think that consulting would be like the forever thing. But what I did know is that having consulting clients would give me the time and flexibility that I needed, not just to pay my bills, of course, and, and still survive, but to also explore other things and to discover what my interests were, what my passions were, like to have some hobbies and shit like that, because I didn't know what I wanted the next chapter to look like. I just knew that it couldn't be more of that. So one of the things that I did as I was consulting, and so I was doing all sorts of stuff, social media strategy, PR strategy. I was even helping build some websites and do graphic design stuff. Um, and I also, cause remember that whole dream job conversation situation. So one of the things that I had always thought would be so freaking cool was hosting. So like on camera hosting in the entertainment industry. And I figured, you know what, what the hell, like if I'm exploring all the things, then like, why not see, like, try everything on and see how it feels. And so I got connected to a company called after buzz TV through a mutual friend, which fun fact happens to be owned by Maria Menounos and her husband, Kevin. And so I started doing entertainment hosting at After Buzz TV, got to do live stream podcast hosting, got to do red carpet hosting, talk to celebrities, like all this kind of stuff. And I freaking loved it. And at the end of the day, hosting was not the long-term fit for me because you know, like real talk, like I didn't want to get up at like 5am to be on camera every day and stuff like that. And, and it's very competitive, not to say that you can't build a very successful career, but it is really competitive. And there are so many people who are willing to work for free for a long time before, like with, with zero guarantee of anything really happening. And that wasn't really what I was looking for at that point, but I loved it. And oh my gosh, I love the relationships I built. Um, I learned so much. It was just, I, yeah, so grateful for that experience. And along the way as well. So remember I said that one of the things that I needed to do when I left was really get back into my body, prioritize myself, take care of my mental health, my physical health. So I started getting back into fitness after I left my last agency and was sharing my fitness journey on social media. I, I mean, as you know, if you are here, I love sharing the things that I'm into. So I was sharing my fitness journey, even though like, you know, it wasn't a business per se, but it was what I was into. And that kind of accidentally turned into a business. So I started having people asking me what I was doing, how, like, you know, for workout tips, like food tips, all that kind of stuff. So I kind of organically started a 
fitness business, a health coaching business. And I had been using um, products through a network marketing company and just using them for my own experience. But after having so many people asking me what I was doing, I decided to take that more seriously and turn it into a business. So I started making money through fitness stuff. I still had my consulting business going and around this time as well. So in 2015, I married that man that I stayed in Santa Barbara for the man that I chose to not um, move to Nashville for. And it was the best relationship that I'd ever been in. Um, he is an incredible man and treated me so, so well. And we'll talk a little bit more about the relationship side of things, but yeah, in 2015, got married. I continued consulting. I continued having my fitness business early in my business though. I noticed that I was still feeling those same feelings of being spread too thin. I was feeling like I never had enough time in the day, just like how I was feeling back at the last agency. I felt like I was never doing enough. I felt like I wasn't enough. And I also wasn't getting the results that I wanted, meaning my schedule was crazy. I was so busy. I didn't feel like I had enough time for myself. I didn't feel like I had enough time for my husband. I wasn't making the money I felt like I deserved. And I wasn't making the money that I felt like I should have been making given the work and the time that I was putting in. And I had a friend actually have a conversation with me when I, I was talking to her about all this. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong because back when I was at the agency, like I could blame it on a boss, right? I could blame it on the company, but I'm the boss now. And it's, this stuff is still a problem. So what, what am I doing? Like, I don't know how to stop this because I'm the problem. I'm part of the problem. Right. And so she encouraged me to go to a leadership training that had a huge emphasis on emotional intelligence. And it was one of the most transformative experiences that I have ever had. And it helped me work through so much of my worthiness issues, so much of my childhood trauma, so much of my past sexual assault, so much of my perfectionism, my, my need to overachieve, my need to look good in front of other people, my people pleasing so much. And around this time as well, my husband and I had been experiencing some issues and I was, you know, I think in any relationship, like it takes two to make it work. And it also takes two to make it not work. And so I, so yeah, I was not prioritizing our relationship. I was, I was such a workaholic and, and so like in this obsessive, like scarcity zone and stuff like that. And, and so I was devoting so much time to my business, which I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I was very much out of balance. And in 2018, I was burnt out. I was not loving my business. I was still had my fitness business. So me as spokesperson, fitness model, health coach, fitness influencer, all that kind of stuff, network marketing, you know, team leader. And then I still also had my consulting business doing PR, marketing, social media strategy, all of that. And in 2018, I also started competing in fitness competitions and having more fun in the fitness space. Though, again, I was still doing PR and marketing projects as they came in, because at that time I did not want to do PR and marketing as the main thing because I still had so much PTSD from my last PR agency experience. So I was like, you know what? We'll do these projects as they come in. And I was getting projects with dream clients, like literally 
people whose names I had written down on paper were approaching me and asking if I would work with them. So I was getting these amazing clients and these amazing projects to work on. And I didn't want to do it as the main thing. I was like, you know what? We'll do these projects every once in a while, but I am not going back into PR because nope, nope, nope. That is not the life I want. Cause I was so triggered by thinking of that and, and like going back into that, that world. Cause I had such a terrible experience in my last, um, agency and, and specifically my last couple years there. And like I said, my husband and I had been experiencing some issues. And so around 2018, when I started doing fitness competitions and everything like that, I, I was unhappy. I was really deeply unhappy. And I remember going to an event that my team and I helped to put on and we, we killed it. Like if I say so myself, so we helped, um, a a dear friend of mine sell out her event through influencer marketing, through social sharing, grassroots sharing, all of that. And at this event, I very vividly remember I'm there and I'd done several projects the, the few years prior and like done a great job on them. And another friend of mine came up to me at the same event and said, Hey, so I know you helped with so-and-so's project. I know you helped with this project and that one and da, 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 and all this. And I know you're here and you helped with this, but I don't know what it is that you do. And that was such a like punch in the gut moment for me because I was like, Oh shit. If somebody who knows me personally is unclear about what I do, then that means everyone who's following me on social media, everybody who does not know me, they have no idea what I'm doing either. And I was trying to do fitness and I was trying to do like PR type stuff here and there, but not really talk about the PR stuff. So that was like on the DL, but like with fit, had fitness going and some business coaching type stuff going. Cause I was mentoring fitness influencers and fitness professionals, but it wasn't clear. And so that for me was such a light bulb moment because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why I'm not getting the results that I want. This is why I feel like I'm working so hard and my effort and my time and my energy is not being matched by my bank account because I'm not actually deciding to pick one thing. I'm spreading myself too thin and I'm having all these backup plans and that's not how you get A plus results. If you're not putting A plus effort into the thing, you're not gonna get A plus results. And also at this event, I um, there was a speaker there who said, you know, you should choose what you're doing, not based on what you're most passionate about, but choose what you're gonna do in your business with one, what are you known for now? What do people in your network know know you for? What are you great at and known for right now? And two, what can you make the most money on the fastest right now? And so for me, and, and fun fact, at the same event, so the same event where my friend came up to me and was like, what do you do? And then the speaker was like, don't just do the thing you're passionate about. What can you make money in? And what are you known for? And then go for that. And then you get to do the like fluffy, like passion, priority things later. Right. And also at this event, someone came up to me, another dream client and was like, Hey, so I'd love for your help with my upcoming launch, like da, 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 and a PR project, like this sort of thing. And I'm like, I remember sitting there and being like, Oh my gosh, another, like, are you serious? Another project, another person just coming up to me, asking me, asking to work with me, like, come on. And so all of those things happening in this same weekend, I made the decision, you know what? I either need to 
decide I'm doing this for real. This can't like doing these PR projects and these marketing projects, I either need to commit and do them for real and make like, and really put a real effort in and like go all out with that, or I need to be done with it. And I need to make the other thing, the main thing. And so it was at that event that I, I decided that I needed to figure out how to, if I wanted to go back into PR, I needed to figure out how to rewrite my story around it. I needed to figure out how to make it feel good. And so around this time as well, I, you know, like I said, my, my husband and I at the time were experiencing some, some challenges and stuff. And again, I was frustrated in my business. I wasn't seeing the results that I wanted in either business fitness or my marketing and PR business. And I was feeling burnt out. I was also kind of shifting away from my network marketing business as well. So I was in the midst of all these pivots and didn't exactly know what I wanted the pivot to look like, what I wanted the next thing to look like. And at that point I had been running my own business for about four years at that time. So I decided actually in 2019, I decided to take a step back. So again, I was pivoting or I was getting ready to pivot, but I didn't exactly know what that pivot would look like. And I wasn't excited about my own business either. And because I was having some issues in my marriage, I needed to prioritize other things, right? If my energy didn't want to grind and like work on the business a ton, then like what's the priority? What's more important? And to me at the time, I needed to prioritize my own mental health and my own clarity and also prioritize my marriage. And so in 2019, I, I call it my gap year because I was doing more fitness competitions. I was excited to be more in the fitness space and to learn more in that space too. And So I started to train as a personal trainer at a top gym here in Los Angeles. And I chose to do that for a number of reasons. Like I said, I needed a break from my own business. I needed a little break from being an entrepreneur. I wanted something that was easier than entrepreneurship and running your own business, even though as a personal trainer, especially at this gym, you are very much your own boss. I mean, not your own boss, but you're very much running your own business and responsible for your results but I needed something that had more set hours. I needed something that felt easier. I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to tap into a new network. Again, I was doing so much in the fitness space that I was really excited about that. So I wanted to lean into that more. And so for me, that gave me the opportunity to not only explore more in the fitness realm, but also it allowed me to have an easier work situation so that I could prioritize myself so that I could prioritize my marriage. And in 2019 as well, I also started to deal with depression. And so for most of 2019, I was dealing with depression. So my chronic anxiety had shifted into depression. And so 2019 for me was a step back from my business so that I could focus on what was going on in my marriage so that I could focus on my own mental health and, and so that I could also like pivot into whatever the next thing was going to be with that much more clarity. Right. Cause it was, it's kind of like the rubber band sort of analogy, you pull a rubber band back. So it may look like a step back, but you're just getting it ready to launch that much faster forward. And so I, even at that time too, when I started working at that gym, a lot of people would, would be like, Oh wait, you have had your own business for the last five years. Wait, you, you still have your own business, wait, like all this stuff and, and say things to me like, well, isn't this a step backwards? Isn't this like all that? And 
in some ways, like, okay, sure, maybe it was a step backwards, but that's not how I looked at it. I knew that I was going to take a pay cut, but I also knew that I wanted a more consistent income, even if it was less, right? I also knew that I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to do more physical stuff. I wanted to do more fitness stuff. So I never really intended on it being more of a year, but I also needed that year. And it was such a, I, I loved it. It was what I needed. It was so much of what I needed. And as I was, you know, as 2019, I think it was like September of 2019, I decided, okay, you know what? I think I'm going to go back into PR as the main thing, as the, the, the legit, like all 100% thing. And I still, I still in 2019, as I was at the gym would still have some consulting projects here and there, but it wasn't until the end of 2019 that I had really figured out how to rewrite my story with PR and felt really good about going back into it. And so again, end of 2019, I'm kind of coming on my, my one year anniversary of working at the gym. And I was like, all right, we're getting ready to pivot back into PR. We're getting ready to leave all this kind of stuff. But I kept dragging my feet with making that decision and with actually leaving, um, for many reasons. I mean, I loved it there. I loved my clients. I loved that gym, everything like that. And then in 2020, we all know what happened. Um, Again, while I decided I was pivoting back, I was, I wasn't taking that action and I was procrastinating on that. And then COVID hit and literally within one week, there we go, we pivoted. So in March of 2020, any like that fitness income stream that disappeared in a week, basically. And I was like, all right, we had that as a backup plan. We had that income kind of as a safety net as we were starting to pivot back into PR, but you know what? that safety net is gone. So if not this, then what let's dig in and make this work and make this happen. And so that's where we're going to end this episode because 2020 in itself, that is a whole thing. And that is going to be its own conversation. So first of all, thank you so much for sticking with me and listening to this long episode and listening to me talk about myself and my life for so long. I I truly appreciate it. And it's my hope that you not only got to know me a bit better through this episode, but also that you're able to see some of yourself in my story. And, and so it's my hope that as we continue this, this journey together in this podcast and in this um, community that my own experiences are able to support you in some way and the things that I've learned and gone through and that you're able to, yeah, either learn something, be inspired, be uplifted, feel loved, get triggered, you name it, all the things to support you in living a more aligned, abundant, and authentic life. So thank you again. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold, successful, and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world, please send them my way. And it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible. So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice and keep being you because the world needs more of your magic. Yeah.